This is Jason Hansen, pastor of Anchor Church. Thank you for jumping onto our sermon podcast. My prayer is that as you listen to this sermon, you're encouraged in your walk with Jesus and that you live for him in all of life. Enjoy the sermon now. This series is, like I said, it's, it's dealing with praise, how we praise the Lord. And we've hit things from prayer, asking of the Lord, to lament, to declaring God's praise, to repentance. All these are ways that we praise the Lord in the Psalms. And today's going to be something maybe a little different, a way that maybe you haven't considered before, and that is we praise the Lord through our creativity and our working with our hands and with the skills that God's given to us to declare his glory and to declare his praise and reflect him. We were, we were a number of years ago as a family, we took a trip, we went to Italy, we went to Florence. And while we were in Florence, we did what I think everybody that goes to Florence does. We went in and we saw Michelangelo's David. Now I, I have a picture of it for you, it's on the screen. You can see one of the ways that people, I think, one of the things they want to do is go and see this. Now, this thing's massive. It's huge. Um, And if you take a look at it, even you can see on this picture the detail that Michelangelo had. And it's even a little hard to see the detail because it's a little washed out on the screen. But everything from the tendons in the neck to the veins in his arms to the muscles in in his left arm there to the chest muscles and all of the things coming together. Michelangelo was a student of, you can leave that up there for a second, um, is a student of the body. He actually had spent time with um, cadavers. He had spent time trying to study what the body did and how the tendons worked and where the veins were and how the muscles worked together from the tensing of, you know, what muscles do when it's, when your hand's in this position. And the whole body is just one, you're just looking at it and people stare at it and they're like, this is amazing. This was done out of a big piece of marble. He just started chiseling. And this is what he got, you know, it's like a big piece of stone. It's not like he had an electric sander, you know, he's doing it by hand. He's chiseling things to get this done. And we look at it and we marvel at it. We marvel at the beauty of it. We marvel at the, at the detail of it. Using his skill and his, um, you know, all the ways that he had studied to work, his creativity to create this image of a man, David, that we all go in and look at and we're just marveling at as we look at it. But you know what we're actually marveling at in some ways? Yeah, it's the, the skill of the painter, of the sculptor, of Michelangelo. We are marveling at his skill. But really, even more, we're marveling because it's a reflection of the real thing. We look and we see the all of the intricacies of the body, the the way that everything is put together and the gifting and the skill given to this sculptor to make this so lifelike and so real that it actually highlights the actual maker. The one that we look at and say, yeah, David did an amazing work here, but you know what even is more amazing if you think about it? It's just how the body works. The fact that he could look at this and say, yeah, there's a, there's a vein in the arm here. There's muscles that, that go a certain way, that it all works together, that we can stand here, that we can move, that I can talk, that I can hear, that I can speak, that you can listen to me, that we're all here together. The human body is an amazing thing. And what Michelangelo did was he captured its beauty. 
And he displayed it for others to come see and to appreciate. Really, he's reflecting the beauty of the creator himself. And church, you all, whether you know it or not, in your working, in your skills, in the things that you enjoy creating and making, just like Michelangelo, as he's reflecting the glory of the maker and the giver of the creativity to have him even be able to do this, you all in your working and your making and your skills and your creativity likewise reflect and show off the God you worship the God that made all things. You reflect him. You show him off. It's our big idea this morning is that you show him off. You show God off when you create. Creation is actually your your ability to create and to make and to problem solve and to figure this out and to do this is a reflection of God the maker. God the creator. You praise him when you create. You praise him when you work. You give him glory in the things that you put your minds to and have your hands doing. This is actually an act of worship. It's an act of praise to him. And the question that we're going to have this morning is what, what happens if we miss this and we don't get it? What, what do we miss? What do we neglect? What are we not thinking through? What are we not pondering? If we just kind of skim past it and we don't think about it, we're going to answer that question as we go. I'm actually going to read the whole of Psalm 104. It's, it's a little longer 30 plus verses. We're going to read it all. The temptation when we read a longer part of scripture, especially in this, is to zone out. So, you know, halfway through, you're going to be thinking about lunch. Um, you know, as we're kind of going through, you're going to be thinking about what the rest, where, you know, I was talking to Tyler earlier. He's already thinking about, okay, where, where am I going to take my nap today, you know, after this thing? So you're going to be thinking about that. Let's, let's try to um, focus in, because what I want you to understand, I want you to get here, and I want you to think through here, is the intricate beauty of the creation and the God that made it. All right, as we think about Psalm 104, this is the word of the Lord to us this morning. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty, covering yourself with light as with a garment, stretching out the heavens like a tent. He lays the beams of his chambers on the waters. He makes the clouds his chariot. He rides on the wings of the wind. He makes his messengers winds, his ministers a flaming fire. He set the earth on its foundations so that it should never be moved. You covered it with the deep as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains. At your rebuke, they fled. And the sound of your thunder, they took flight. The mountains rose, the valleys sank down to the place that you appointed for them. You set a boundary that they may not pass so that they might not again cover the earth. You made springs gush forth in the valleys. They flow between the hills. They give drink to every beast of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. 
Beside them the birds of the heavens dwell. They sing among the branches. For your lofty abode, you water the mountains. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of your work. And I just want you to notice as we're going through this, he is making things in beauty and he's making them for the rest of creation to enjoy. There's an enjoyment the donkeys and the and they're drinking and the birds come before come and they sit next to it and they're just enjoying this beauty that God has made. And he's causing it all to happen in verse 14. You cause the grass to grow for the livestock and plants for man to cultivate that he may bring forth food from the earth and wine to gladden the heart of man, oil to make his face shine and bread to strengthen man's heart. The trees of the Lord are watered abundantly. The cedars of Lebanon that he planted, the Lord planted. In them the birds build their nests. The stork has her home in the fir trees. The high mountains are for the wild goats. The rocks are a refuge for the rock badgers. He made the moon to mark the seasons. The sun knows it's time for setting. You make darkness and it is night when all the beasts of the forest creep about. The young lions roar for their prey, seeking their food from God. When the sun rises, they steal away and lie down in their dens. Man, you and me, church, mankind goes out to his work and to his labor until the evening. Oh Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom have you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Here is the sea, great and wide, which teems with creatures innumerable, living things both small and great. There go the ships and Leviathan, which you formed to play in it. We don't even know what Leviathan is. It's a name for some large, a whale maybe. We don't know what it is. We don't have anything called that. But apparently, listen, church, I love this in verse 26. He made Leviathan, this large sea creature, to, he made the sea for uh, the Leviathan to play in, to rejoice. He re- the Lord rejoices in his creation, playing in his creation, enjoying it. These all look to you to give them their food in due season. When you give it to them, they gather it up. And when you open your hand, they are filled with good things. When you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. When you send forth your spirit, they are created and you renew the face of the ground. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. Who looks on the earth and it trembles. Who touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord. As long as I live, I will sing praise to my God while I have being. May my meditation be pleasing to him, for I rejoice in the Lord. Let sinners be consumed from the earth. Let the wicked be no more. Blessed, bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. Now we could go a thousand different directions on this sermon because we could talk about everything from his creation and people and the, and the cre- uh, creatures loving it to just that whole, we could do a whole sermon on the fact that he enjoys the enjoyment of his creation. That the Leviathan, just it's not just a place for the, the Leviathan to be, but the Leviathan to play in. 
the rejoicing of just even our enjoyment of creation. We could talk about that sermon. We could talk about a number of things from death to life to God sustaining to God making. But what I want to talk about this morning, the angle that we want to take is the fact that we give him glory and praise when we create just like he does here. When we reflect him. As a matter of fact, this whole psalm is a uh, kind of a following the, the pattern set forth in Genesis. I, um, Derek Kidner actually put together this really nice um, gra- a graphic for you, I guess. It's up there if you want to take a look at it. This is actually Psalm 104, following the creation account. Whoever's writing the psalm is writing this and reading probably Genesis 1 and 2, and, and he starts begins writing a psalm thinking about how God makes everything and the beauty of it all. And so you can just see that he's following along as he goes forth through this whole creation account. This is a creation psalm. This is a psalm that highlights God the maker, God the creator, God the sustainer. Not only that, but did you notice as we went through this whole psalm, the language that he's using to declare God's praise and glory, the, the ways that God makes everything. It's not like God just sits there and goes, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care if it's beautiful. Let's just get something down there. Just do it. No, he's he's. Forming things. Why? Because he is a creative God. He's a God that enjoys beauty. He makes things beautiful. He, he makes things crafted, enjoyable. Every flower that blooms up is made by him to be a certain color, purples and yellows and, and blues and reds. They, they pop forth if you have a garden, if you've seen a garden. We went to, we went to when we were over in Europe, like I said earlier, we were, in, we were in Italy. We made a stop in Versailles, and the gardens of Versailles are just beautiful, colored, and it's just amazing what God made in the mountains. Like, we go to the mountains, and we look around, and we think, that mountain's beautiful. And you see it here that God takes care with how he made. I love this psalm because the psalmist is so careful to craft this in such a way that we can't miss God's joy and enjoyment of creating. His enjoyment of actually making things. Remember, nothing was made at this point. It was, it was a void. And God makes something out of nothing. It's a theological category. Ex nihilo. He, he, out of nothing, he creates. Have you ever tried to, to create something in your mind that hasn't been created yet? You ever tried to do that? Just think about it. If you think, I'm going to think of something brand new that's never been made. Okay. I'm going to think of, you know, I have, okay. It's a donkey with uh, feathers and wings and uh, let's see, what else can we throw in there? Maybe like some webbed feet. I've never seen that before. Yeah, but there are webbed feet. And you know what wings look like. You know what a donkey looks like. And you know what feathers look like. None of that's new. We're just taking things that are already made and sticking them on there. God, out of nothing, made everything. And he made it beautiful. Actually, this is his working. God worked worked with his crafting, with his mouth, but with his mind to create all that is created. From the, when we could talk about the universe and its expansiveness. I just saw a picture not too long ago of 
galaxies that were all formed together that actually looked like DNA. But there's billions of galaxies in the universe. And we recognize that we can't even understand that. There's, we don't even understand one galaxy, which is our own, let alone many galaxies, let alone that amount of galaxies. We can't, we don't understand any of that stuff. You know who does? The one that made it. And he made it in beauty. We stare at the sky and we think, wow, the stars. You ever been somewhere where there's not lights around, you know, out in the middle of nowhere, and you look up at nighttime and the, the, um, the expanse of the stars and the moon, and it's just amazing. I mean, God placed the moon, it says, to mark seasons. You know, you have the fall, and you know that the fall, the moon's going to be at this spot, and then you have these, I mean, it's just amazing how God made everything and he made us and he made us specifically for purposes to glorify him. This past week, I was, uh, I was looking out, you know, a couple of the nights, you're drive, we were driving somewhere and just remarking at, the, look at the sunset. See the sunsets this past week? We look out at the sunset over Phoenix and it's just remarkable. And the reason why we remark on them is because God made it all to be beautiful, that we enjoy, and he crafted it as his workmanship for us. But not just for us. He didn't just make it for us. He actually made us specifically to exist within this world that he made very differently than every other creature has been made. You and I, as mankind, as human beings, we have our own ways that we go throughout this life, very specifically as we think about it. We actually see in verse 23, if you just look there really fast, that man goes out to his work and to his labor until the evening. And, and even earlier, he talks about man uh, out in the gardens, watering and working. We're working people. All of the rest of the, of the creatures in here, they're, they're playing in the ocean, they're enjoying the creation. Yeah, they're going to get food and they're doing all these kinds of things, but they're resting in the creation. They exist in it and they enjoy it and they live in it. But there's something unique about you and me. God's called us to a different purpose. We exist differently in his beautiful creation. And we actually see this in Genesis 1. I have it on the screen for you. We see this in Genesis 1, 27. And there's more to it than this, but you know, God is making all things. We're following the creation account in here, and he gets to man. And we read in verse 27 that God made man, man and woman, humankind, in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them in his image. What does that mean? What does that mean? Because that's not indicative of any of the other animals that were created, any other living things. It's you and me specifically that were made in his image. And what that means is that there are parts of who God is that he's given to us to reflect him. To actually, to actually when people look at us, they should say that's very God-like Sounds like heresy. We're not godlike in every way, but there's parts of us that bear his image, that we reflect, that we push back on him, that when people look at us, they should say, oh, I, I recognize that in you. 
There's something about you that is amazing. And one of the things that we have to understand on this is that, and one of the aspects of this that are definitely image barrenness is the fact that we go out with our hands and with our minds and we work. And we work to create. We work to make. We have gifts that God's given to us. We have ways that we function within this universe, within this world, that God has given to us as image bearers that cause us to make and create. And when we do so, we do so in beauty for his glory. We reflect him. Our own working and our own making and our own crafting and creativity is such that it's actually given to us by God to then use in this world to reflect his glory and to give him praise. We actually see a little further on in Genesis chapter 2 verse 15. Let's see if I can just let my glasses here. Verse 15, that the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. So, so God makes the garden and he says, your job is to go and to be a gardener. I want you to go and I want to make sure the flowers bloom. I want you to make sure that the, that the trees get their proper amount of, of water. I want, I want you to make sure that everything in this garden is beautiful to the sight. This is your job, is to take this garden and you tend to it. You make the, the uh the oranges grow and you want to make sure that the, you know, all of the, the, the seeds actually get planted so that the beauty of the, you know, the trees and the bushes and the fruits and the vegetables, they all come up. You are a master gardener to tend to my creation, to work it in creativity. You are here to do beautiful things to make beautiful things. Not only that, but we see just a, a little bit further on in verse 19, that it says, sorry again, I don't have my glasses on, that it says that, so out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field. So now he's making creatures and, and he's making animals and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man and to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. God says, I want you to look at all these creatures and I would like you to make sure that they are named. Be creative, name everything, come up with names for everything. Whatever you decide is a beautiful name to call it, that's what it's gonna be called and that's what it was called. And one of the side notes here, actually one of the, one of the, Amazing parts about this is as every creature goes by, there's the male and female, male and female, male and female. This is what this is called. This is what this is called. And he names everything. And at the end of this, we see what he realized was there's a, there's a counterpart and, a, and somebody here for every single uh, creature but me. And God's intention, I think, there was not only for him to say, use your creativity to name, but also to say, there will be a helper fit for you. You're going to recognize your need for one. You probably don't see it yet. You will. And he does. And so he, he names everything. And one of the things I want you to, to see here is that right away, God does not give these tasks to the squirrels. He doesn't give these tasks to the giraffes, though they're taller. Or to the lions, and they're more powerful. The snakes, they're more scary. 
Or the cockroaches. Don't know why God made those, but he did. I don't know. So he didn't give these tasks to any of those creatures. He gave the working tasks and the naming tasks and the creative tasks to man. To one like you and me, an image bearer of God. And this is before sin even existed. God's intention was for us to be workers, creative beings, those using our hands and our minds to create for his glory before sin ever existed in this world. Pre-fall, pre-garden of Eden, apple bite. Here we have this creation, a creator calling his creation of mankind to also be creators those that come up with names for animals, those that make sure that the, the fruit grows on the trees, that the flowers bloom. As we use our hands and our minds to do this. And he rejoices in it. Look with me at with the end of verse 31. The psalmist here says, may the glory of the Lord endure forever and may the Lord rejoice in his works The Lord rejoices in his works. All of the works, the Lord just doesn't say, all right, well, done with this, you take it. No, the Lord rejoices as we function the way that we're supposed to function. As he looks at every part of his creation, specifically mankind, and says, function the way I've made you. Rejoicing in you. Rejoicing in your working. And and we see also a little later on that the psalmist then also looks and says, I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to the Lord, verse 33. Uh, Praise to my God while I have my being. May my meditation be pleasing to him, for I rejoice in the Lord. We rejoice in in the creator. The creation calling back and rejoicing in him. And one of the ways we do this church is through our own working as image bearers to functionally go out and to do the things God has called us to do as creative people, those that use our hands and our minds to make and to create. We are to go out and to do this. And I would say this, you go out and you do this every day, whether you know it or not. In everything that you put your hands to and your minds to, you are doing so as image bearers reflecting a creative mind that God's given to you to praise him. And we don't think about this. You might think, no, my, you know, my, what I do for a living is not creative. And let me beg to differ for a second, all right? Because I don't get a chance to go around to your offices very much and just sit there and watch you and go, hmm. It's creative, like that's good. You know, I'm not telling you all these things. Like I don't do that, right? I rarely have an opportunity to do that. However, a couple uh, summers ago, about a year and a half ago, I had my, my good friend Bill Wilson came over and helped me um, do a bunch of plumbing in my house. Now we think about plumbing and you're like, that's not creative, that's just a job you do. First of all, if you've ever seen work, it's not just a job you do, that is it's hard, <laughs> all right? That takes a lot of skill. But as I was watching him, it, it dawned on me, as I'm watching him do his job, and he's really good at it, that so much of what he's doing is creating. He's, he's looking at the wall and going, I have to get the water from here in a shower to here, and I gotta figure out how to do this because I have this barrier, barrier here, and I can't go around this, and there's a 
pipe here that I got to figure out how to move or at least get out of the way. And he's in his mind, he's looking at it and he's trying to figure out how do I solve this problem? I have to get from here to here and how do I do that? And after a bunch of cuts and things you have to do and other stuff, I don't even know what he was doing. It works. It just, it works. And then he puts it all back together and it looks beautiful. It's, it's, a, it's plumbing, but it's not just plumbing. It's displaying God's glory as a, as a mind that's saying, how do I fix this problem? How do I get to this point and say, I need this to look this way and to work this way and to function properly. And he's using all of his God-given talents and skills and his image bareness as one who creates and makes to say, I'm going to get this from here to here and it's going to be perfect. And whether you work in real estate or banking or whether you're an athlete or whether you go and you do music or whether you write or whether you're a mother or whether you go out and you're a barista or whether you're a student, I could point out to you in all of those things how you're using your mind and your skills and your talents and the things God's given to you to reflect his glory as a creator as a creative person to think through things and to solve problems and to get from point A to point B. Some of you like to paint. It's a little more tangible. You're like, oh, you created this, but that's no uh, more or less creative than somebody looks at a math problem and they try and figure it all out. And after a half an hour, they go, I solved it. The solving of the math problem gives glory to the maker. And you need to see that, and I need to see that, that our creativity and how our mind works is praising God, Christian. We were made to look like him. We were made to reflect him. We were made so that people look at us, and as we work with our hands, and as we act the way God's called us to act, and we live the way God's called us to live, we do so for his glory. We have to see this. Because if not, you know what happens? What happens if we don't see this? I asked this question earlier, what happens if we don't see this? A couple things. The first one is, is that we just live our lives for the paycheck. Just simply for the paycheck. We live our lives, we wake up and we just think, oh, what am I doing? You know, God's not honored with me, God's not pleased with me, I just need to get the paycheck. You know, I'm just gonna live in this broken world, I can't wait to leave it, I don't know, I just gotta, whatever, I just gotta get. And we just think, yeah, I, I just am just trying to wake up and, and survive and exist. And you wonder, well, how am I actually glorifying God right now? You know, I'm going to work. I hate having to go to work because I don't feel like I'm really, you know, the Lord's not honored here and not doing these things. And I would just say, actually, what you're missing is the reality that you are an image bearer. And as you go to your work and as you do the things that you're called to do and as you do those things, you're reflecting the creator. You're living as an image bearer in this broken world. A light using all of your talents and your gifts and your careers to honor him and praise him. Your job isn't less theological than mine. Whatever you put your hand to isn't less godly than my job. I think, yeah, but you're a pastor. You work at a church. You do this. Yeah, I'm using my mind to hopefully say things that make sense. Sometimes it works up here. Sometimes, maybe not, but sometimes it works. You say, well, this, this is what I'm doing. You know, I'm writing things. I'm doing that stuff. All I'm doing is I'm saying, what's God called me to do to work here? What's, called, what's God called you to do? If, if, if Adam was called to be a gardener, 
and one that came up with names? Is that any better or worse than my job? Less theological than mine? No. You are an image bearer called to reflect the creator in what you do. And your creativity, it actually praises him. You know what else we miss if we actually don't understand this aspect? We actually miss some gospel realities. Because when Jesus came into the world, he came into a world broken by sin. Actually, if you think about it, the, the, the creation that he made, the one that he made perfect, he said it was good, all of that as he crafted. I mean, think about, think about what the psalmist is saying God did in Psalm 104. All of the beauty, everything that he made was perfect and beautiful. And then we come along and we break it with sin. And when Jesus was born and he came into this world, he began doing miracles. You know why? He's saying, little bits at a time, I'm going to fix it here and here. The brokenness is going to go away here. You can't walk. I'm going to fix that here. You know why? I didn't make it this way. Sin, sin destroyed it. And on the cross, he said, and finally, I'm going to recreate it new through this means, a cross and an empty tomb. And we exist in the broken world that has been fixed in part by Jesus, but one day will be fixed perfectly, recreated, made new. Jesus will make all things new so that this world that we live in will have no more tears and sadness and pain. There won't be any brokenness anymore. Jesus will do that in recreation. And we exist as those here who are just tenants of that. We, we create and make things as if we say, Jesus, we are doing our best to reflect you. We know you're going to do this even better when you come, but we are going to do this now for your name and for your glory. May you get the praise as we put our hands to the plow. We want to make sure that we see it that way. We have to see it that way. Your job and your creation, your creativity and your hobbies and your skills, they all go to give glory to the one who made you to reflect him. How do we live this out? I have two ways for us to live this out, that you show him off when you create. The first is this, simply create to show off his glory. Tomorrow morning, whenever you go to work and do whatever you do, don't just simply do it for a paycheck. Paycheck is part of the deal. We can't live without it. So I'm not saying don't like burn the paycheck. Don't give it back. You know, I mean, take it. Um, take it and live, you know, but, but do it for a different reason. Some of you maybe are in this room and you struggle because you go to school. Maybe you're in high school or elementary school or junior high. You go to school and you think, I hate this. Trust me, I know. Been there. I hate this. But you know what you're actually doing? You're using your mind to learn and to form and to understand the world around you, to grasp what it means that two plus two equals four. You know why two plus two equals four? Because God made it that way. You know why the, the, the Mount Everest is the largest mountain in the world? The tallest place you can get? God made it that way. You know why you have the, you know, the, the deep trenches in the ocean and you can't get there. It's so deep as you're learning in geography and you don't like it. Earth science, you're like, oh, I don't like earth science. God made it that way. And you're just simply trying to take it all in. 
You going to school for that reason? To glorify him? To learn these things? Look, all of technology in this world, if you think about it, at one point the piano, as we see the piano here, didn't exist. This was made because somebody that had a creative tool in their minds and understood music that God made said, I think we can put this thing together to make it sound this way. And if we were to start talking about music theory, which I won't, but if you did, you'd probably get about three sentences in and go, I don't understand. I don't understand either, but it works. And you look at it and you say, this is all put together perfectly. You know why God made it this way. But so it took somebody who had a creative mind to say, I'm going to try and put this thing together to sound beautiful. And they did. How about you and your work? Are you working for the glory of God? Are you working to show off his glory? When you go to the office tomorrow, you just think, this is just numbers. This is just an email. I'm just writing this. I'm just trying to solve this problem. Is it to solve a problem? Or is it to say, I'm using my God-given creativity and mind to glorify and praise him? I hope it's that. We want to be purposely biblical. That's one of our values. And if we're going to be purposely biblical, then I think we have to see our working like this. If we're going to praise him fully in all of life, then we want to make sure that we see it this way. We want to make sure we grasp it this way. Uh, A second thing for a live it out point would be to ask the question, how do I limit my praise? How are you limiting your praise? It could be simply through just um, not, you know, not thinking of your work this way. It could be that. It could be limiting your praise that way. It could also be limiting your praise of him to the things that we said before, not including creativity. You know, I, I pray and I repent and I lament at times and I'm, you know, I, I recognize his glory, but what am I missing? Am I missing the fact that if, as I think about my working and I'm creative and I express myself in these ways, it's also an opportunity for me in a new and fresh way to give him glory. Let me give you an example of this. The sun and stars and soaring skies light the lanterns of the eyes. They keep the candles burning bright that gnaw away the darkest night. The sun with rays that reach the skin, the stars that seem to gleam within. The soaring skies unbridled vast bring clarity to present and to past. What history they each have seen, what wisdom must each one have gleaned, the maker of each one is mine. He loves me more than sun, star, and sky. I wrote that on the 1st of November as an opportunity for me just to say, Lord, I don't know how to express what I'm feeling, but I'm going to write it down in a poem form to give you glory and honor and praise because he made my mind that way. What about you? How do you think of these things? Are there ways that you can think about it in a different way? Say, how do I glorify the Lord? I praise him. How are you limiting your praise? Are you using your creativity and working to give him glory or not? It's a question for you to to answer. Listen, you show him off when you create, like Michelangelo making a statue that we look at and we say, beautiful, when it's actually highlighting the maker of the man who made the statue, the maker of the form of the body. It actually just shows him off. It says, the Lord is great. That's what the psalmist does here. The Lord is great in church. We do the same. Let me call up the band. We, we want to make sure that we are those 
who are using our skills and our workings to glorify him, to praise him. You glorify him with your creativity because you are like him in those things. Man, there's so much we could talk about in terms of being image bearers. Maybe we'll do a a series at some point on what does it mean to bear the image of the Lord? It's just us. It's just us people, male and female, that's it. All in all the world, we are the ones that are image bearers. God gave us that gift and we want to make sure we use it properly. What would happen, do you think, if all of us went into our workplaces, did the things that God called us to do on a daily basis, to to do all the the workings that we do, what would happen if we, we didn't see that as not theological. We just, you know, if we think sometimes we just go and get it done. What would happen if we actually, all of us, went in and said, I'm doing this because I am, I am actually a mirror. I'm expressing my, my image barrenness through these things. Would it change how you work? Would it change how you process and think? Would it change how you did all the things that you're doing? Would you think about it differently? Would you actually maybe even think about the Lord more during the day? Would you think, man, I'm, I'm living for him and everything that you're doing. I pray that we would. I'm going to pray and then we're going to take communion. We take communion because uh, we remember him, Jesus, who came to make things new, to fix the broken parts of creation that needed to be fixed for us to believe and trust and to know him. And so we take communion, the Lord's Supper, on a weekly basis as we gather to do that. I'm going to actually invite you to go and and, um, in a second after I pray, we're going to sing a song, but to go and get, if you haven't gotten the the bread and the cup, you can go do that. We're going to sing a song and then we'll uh, take communion after that. But let me pray first. Father, we we recognize, Lord, that we, there's so much about I really hope that you were encouraged by the sermon today. You can learn more about us at anchorchurchgilbert.com. We'd love to have you join our mailing list. You can do that on the website. If you have any questions for us about who Jesus is, please let us know through our website. I hope that you were encouraged.